Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Catherine Tricos is an artist based on the West Coast of Australia who has released six albums, which is extraordinary, the most recent of which was Luminaire in 2017, and she now has a brilliant new EP called Choose Your Own Light, and we're going to talk about it. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sophie. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. I've been listening to your EP, and there are so many different layers to it. I think I could listen to it a hundred times and still find a new layer, but uh, I'll try to talk about some of the layers I've I've heard um, when we're talking now. So the title of this EP seems timely, but also timeless, I think. Um, we're all looking towards the light right now, I guess, after what's happened over the past couple of years, yet the idea of choosing one's own light is, I think, eternal. Has music itself been your light? You know, that's a, that's a wonderful question. And I, I think that I'm going to say yes, even though I haven't always realised it. Because right. um, I have, um, I think like a lot of artists, um, you know, a great deal of imposter syndrome. Right. And yeah, but I think music definitely has been my light as a, a listener and as a composer as well. Mm. And so was it the experience of choosing your own light that actually led you to call it this? Because it's not its not a, a, the name of a track, actually. No, it's not. It's um, its a line in one of the songs. So in Accidental, right at the end, um, I, I, I sing, I choose mine in terms of light. And that's about following your own path. And that's about relationships. Um, and this tendency that a lot of people have to kind of pour a lot of themselves into another person or into a relationship um you know I I don't have any answers I don't know how to fix that (laughs) (laughs) but at some point um in in certain relationships there's that well I'm gonna have to choose it's 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 you or me and you you know you you need to choose yourself yeah right and I suppose it can also the meaning can work on a on a few levels like as in light versus dark but also yeah. just the idea of, of choose your own direction, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Your, your own light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. So. <laughs> now, your first instrument was piano, I understand. When, right. did you, when did you start playing piano? I was about five um, and I, I went to a music lesson and the teacher said that I had a good ear and she wanted to give me private lessons. I was in a group class. Um, so, you know, she was a lovely lady. And, and yeah, and then I... I, play, I played classical for a long time and then I gave it up when I was a teenager and right. focused on subjects that I never ended up fully understanding right. <laughs> and went back to classical piano in my 20s. But in the interim, I kind of picked up a guitar and started writing songs. And, um, yeah, that's that's how I got into music. <laughs> so when you were learning piano all those years, I imagine you were doing exams and you, know, yeah. you had to use all the grade books, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I do remember the very first time I my teacher taught me a minor scale and my response was, why did it take her so long to teach me that beautiful scale? <laughs> wow. I love I love a minor key. So that was, uh, that was a turning point for me. I was just like, this is just the best. <laughs> mm. I think it is that, that you know, unknowable part of music where you can respond so strongly to something that's a collection of sounds and just mm. tweaking them in a certain way can elicit Absolutely. that response. Yeah, 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 definitely. Mm. 
And when you, um, so when you found your way to guitar, well, first of all, I was thinking, as you said, you gave up piano. I thought, oh, your parents must have been quite disappointed after all those years. I don't remember. I actually don't remember. I think, I think it was okay. Um, I think my parents are generally fairly supportive of all my impossible decisions, which is very <laughs> lovely of them. <laughs> And, of course, the years on piano would have meant you could pick up guitar faster, I imagine. Maybe. You know, I can't read guitar music. Like, I can I can figure it out, but I don't read music for guitar. And I find that my lack of knowledge on the guitar helps me write songs. Okay. Um, and it's taken me a very long time to write songs on piano because I had too much, you know, there's too much right and wrong in my head okay. of scales uh keys how they're you know modes and all that and and so it was really hard for me to just kind of write anything because I'd have all this other information coming through as opposed to going on this gut instinct and a feeling which is so important in writing a good song I think yeah it's so interesting that you say the lack of knowledge on guitar because a lot of people would say oh well if I'm not really au fait with this instrument I'm going to leave it alone and do something else that's when you should really write songs on it (laughs) (laughs) You know, pick up a banjo. <laughs> Do you think it um, that that lack of knowledge, so to speak, because you know you're a wonderful instrumentalist, means that you give your voice some room to play around when you're writing songs? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I, one of the things that for years I've loved about guitars and stringed instruments is with, where they're different from piano is that they they you get those bits between the notes that are not notes mm. in the Western system of, um, you know, intervals. Um, and that was really great for songwriting. Now I've kind of gone the other way and I really like the restriction of the piano mm. and seeing what that can do with my voice as well. So it is definitely about using it as a springboard to explore musically. Mm. So at what age did you start singing? Because you had piano, you had guitar, and then voice is also an instrument. So when did that come along? Um, I, like my whole life. And um, when I was in junior school, my sister and I were in the choir um, and my, my parents were just like, no one in the family can sing what's going on. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I always had to like uh, kind of transpose what I was going to sing if I was a, a soloist down because I have quite a deep voice. And I remember the first time the music teacher did that, I was so um, grateful. I was just like, oh, this is great. It's so easy to sing now. Right. Um, it was a, a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, yes, it, it, it suggests that there's there's a uh, stereotype applied to, to girls' voices because you started singing when you were a girl, like they should be high, they should be this, that, the other. But, of course, there is a range of, of female voices in singing, technically. That's absolutely right, yes, definitely, and male voices. And the other night when I played a show in Sydney, um, I sang a duet with uh, my friend Dan, who who performs under the name Isles, and he's got a oh, tremendously deep, beautiful voice. But we was we were we were covering a song, and he actually sung higher than me a couple of times, and it was really it was great. Just that kind of, you know, pushing around it like those, you know, in those different areas is it's fantastic. And, and so, when when did songwriting start? Because you, again, you're accumulating this musical knowledge. You've got these instruments to write on. Um, I'm always fascinated to know if it was a, a certain point where you just thought, "Ah, oh, I've got I've got something to put down here," or if it was actually a conscious choice. Well, I I definitely started learning the guitar so I could write songs because I looked, you know, I I never thought it was a possibility. But then I met people who were in bands and they were writing songs, and I was like, "Oh, I can do that, maybe." <laughs> So I, I started learning guitar and it, it actually took me a very long time to 
coordinate singing and playing um I could do one but not the other and I remember telling someone and they were just like looked at me like I was really like um deficient but I you know it took me it took me a while and and I I don't I don't mind that because as soon as I could do that I'd started writing my own songs um and a lot of that was because doing covers has never really interested me um I, I would there's a few bands that I I found interesting to cover and that I could cover and feel like a sense of satisfaction um, but mostly I was more interested in writing my own songs so I, I just kind of sort of started right away so it was probably about three or four months into playing guitar um, well I'd also suggest that when you learn classical piano that's basically a lifetime of doing covers <laughs> someone else's music <laughs> yeah that's right but well yes but there's also different interpretations and they're so subtle with classical piano and I do love listening to classical piano and different pianists interpretations of pieces that are often just so similar and you hear the slight differences and you and you go oh and then you can choose which one you like more and it's a lot of fun actually <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> subtleties not that I could ever get to that level but because it's, it's like an you know it's an elite sport really isn't it <laughs> Uh, it is, yes. And I should also ask, when you went back to piano in your 20s, did, was it to play classical or was it actually to to do your own music? Yeah, oh, great question. Um, that, yeah, it was actually to to do jazz ah, and, okay. and then try to bring that into my music. Right. Just because of my love of, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday and, and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and But I was terrible at jazz and I, I didn't really like it and I came to my piano lesson early one day and my teacher was, he was playing Chopin and I was like, okay, I want to play that. <laughs> so I just switched back to classical after I think three lessons. Uh, I've also played piano for years and Chopin is my favorite to play. Not my favorite to listen to necessarily, but um, but they are very rewarding pieces, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love listening to it as well. Oh, no, yeah. oh, no, I, I do like it, just not as much as Beethoven, who's my preferred composer. Oh, really? Yeah, Beethoven's definitely the best. <laughs> like he's definitely the top member. Well, I'm glad we agree because if you did Mozart, I, I would have had to have an argument oh, with you. I do love Mozart. <laughs> I do. But I, I don't feel that his the his piano pieces are as, as complex or as interesting as Beethoven or, or Bach or um, Chopin. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but you also mentioned um, Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday, mm-hmm. all of them amazing singers. And Sinatra, I think, is sometimes underrated as a technical singer because his tone is extraordinary. He's wonderful. Oh, I, I love, I love Frank Sinatra. You know, you can't listen to him and be in a bad mood. He's just, he just, he puts a swing in your step. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Possibly because all those songs suggest that he has a cigarette and a glass or something. <laughs> and he probably did. Yeah. Um, yeah he had a reputation for keeping everyone awake no one was allowed to go to bed they everyone had to stay up and drink with him so no musicians <laughs> <laughs> now we've talked about piano and guitar and you mentioned that you write a lot of songs on guitar but for this EP you actually wrote on piano so what was it that led you back to that instrument to write um well I think when when COVID started I I was I was working on these distant songs with my band because I was in Perth and they were in Sydney uh, mostly with my guitarist and I'd I was really trying to write songs in a different way and make them as simple and pure as possible and I wrote a few and then it just like it sort of seemed to stagnate I didn't know how to, how I'd get to Sydney to record I really wanted to jam them out and I couldn't do that and then I just didn't write anything for ages and I started listening to a lot of um, pop music uh, I don't know why I was just it, it just made me feel it's still I still do I, I love listening to pop um and kind of 
you know just really pulling the part, the songs apart and listening to them and you know I'm not I'm not really good on guitar I, 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 um, I can't play all the chords I have to use a capo a lot and on piano I can I can figure out chords like you know super easy and I just I can just play so I was trying to figure out how pop songs were constructed because it, it, it's very difficult to write a good one um, and mm. and I just went to the piano naturally to do that and and then there was this period of time where I was stuck in a room for two weeks and I I moved a piano my keyboard in there um not my piano it's the keyboard and and I just started writing songs and I it was it was fun you know I, I was I wasn't really seeing anyone um I was you know sort of I wasn't isolating I was looking after my cat who was very sick and she had a cone and she was kept she kept so I was like I have to stay with her because if she pulls her cone off she'll pull her stitches out and oh so um I just had to stay with my cat and so I just wrote songs for two weeks and there were about eight or well, probably actually about 10 of them and I'm going to record the other the other ones at some point mm. so did you think after that oh I should have been writing on piano all this time or it just seemed like okay this is the right occasion the right period of my life to be on it yeah it felt like the right period of my life because I have tried so many times and then just walked away going no <laughs> right. no terrible oh bad <laughs> yeah so mm. and I'm interested when you said you listen to a lot of pop which pop artists do you listen to um, at the time, I was listening to Billie Eilish, who I love. She's just fantastic. She's an excellent songwriter. And her voice, like the way it's recorded, it sounds so vintage. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like Billie Eilish. I like Taylor Swift a lot. She released those two records that she recorded in the woods. They're just beautiful. And I've, I've always liked her stuff because she started out country, and I really love country music. And, you know, they've, a lot of her songs, like her really good songs, have that that element to them. Mm. So they were probably the two main ones. Who else was I listening to? I just sort of listened to whatever I could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just start you just start listening around. I was teaching music as well. And so you kind of ask the kids what they're listening to, and then you have a listen. You go, oh, okay. And they listen to a lot of old stuff. Um, they're really into <laughs> like oh, the other day there was a, a like some year 10 singing that um Oh, I can't even remember what it's called. The Four Non Blonde song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I know what you mean. I, yeah. The details elude me. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but um, what's going on? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, how are you all singing this? This is so strange. So there's a lot of, you know, retrospective kind of things happening in music, which is great. Maybe they're on TikTok. I don't know where the kids are getting their information. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think it, I think it must be, yeah. Mm, TikTok, I don't really like it. <laughs> Uh, fair enough it is a particular art form or art, some form. yeah I mean I like the videos I think they're really funny but what I don't like is when I open the app on my phone it stops my music and it just blasts stuff at me and I'm like I need to control that I can't be surprised by I don't know and it's like it's, it seems like advertising and that annoys because me because it usually is yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. now you referred to this uh earlier about um structures i think uh, or, or boundaries in place and there was something you said around the release of the ep which is art needs a leash but there is a sense of freedom you can achieve when you instigate new boundaries and allow yourself to clear up other areas mm-hmm. i'm a believer in the idea that structure actually is very freeing because i think it eliminates a lot of toing and froing when you're constructing a story whether it's a novel or a song have you always liked having boundaries like that or is this just something you've come to appreciate with time? No, I, I've always loved having boundaries like that. And I think because I started out as a visual artist, it came from that um, that kind of, you know, you do all these exercises to free yourself up, which is, you know, like 
drawing with your eyes closed, drawing with your opposite hand and that sort of thing kind of. And then from there, you know, it's almost like you set these rules in place, but they're not real rules and you get to choose them. And it's kind of fun. And it's, it's all about the concept that you can come up with. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree. Structure is, I love structure. (laughs) But also I wonder if it's to do with your classical piano background, because, because that, yeah, piano is a very structure laden discipline, Um, but also what you were saying about the nuances within recordings of particular pieces, like you might have five Moonlight Sonatas recorded and they will all have their differences. And so there is that creativity within the structure. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's a really great point, actually. It could be that. Um, but, you know, I think that would be, uh, you know, just a feature of it, of that. I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have the, the uh, control to play that, that sort of thing on piano, really, without putting a lot of work in them. I haven't done that in a while. But, yeah, there is definitely, definitely um, that sort of uh, structure in, in classical piano that, could have influenced me yeah <laughs> I wouldn't mind Betty Catherine if you sat down to play Moonlight Sonata no you probably could play it extremely well because it would be embedded if you do all those things <laughs> yeah I do love that one um but I think I was also I might just like play the chords and just like see what's going on and then just kind all of right. chord progression and then kind of you know figure out if I could write a song based on those chords <laughs> could be fun what a great idea <laughs> yeah, it might be really hard to not be sounding like a really bad version of it <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'll see. I'll try tomorrow, actually. Hmm. Now, to be more specific about the EP, um, Choose Your Own Light, the first track is Take You Places. Yeah. And it's about addiction and depression, yet sonically it's actually a really uplifting track. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if it started out that way. <laughs> it did. They they were all uplifting. And when the lyrics came, I was like, really? Is this what's happening? And then I just went with it because <laughs> the lyrics worked. Um, and I think that there there can be there's a sense of just abandon when you go, okay, well, you know, I was, I was trying to be there for you. You clearly were not interested. I'm really glad I'm free now. Yay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I think, as, as you said, yes, the whole EP is uplifting and uh, with that track in particular, I was, I was listening to it thinking, I wonder if it is, yes, that freedom and saying, all right, good luck to you. I'm out, I'm out of here, but also an element of trying to show that person that there is another way to live. Like yeah. I, I can be this uplifted and I don't have to be like you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think the main thing with that song was when I, like often when I write songs, I, I learn about my life, you know, and I think that's a fairly common thing for artists. Um, I remember reading about, I can't remember which painter it was, and they said every time they did a self-portrait, they figured out what was going on in their life. Right. It's like art is like a mirror, it reveals your life to you. Um and I, when I wrote this, I was just like, that's why it hurts so much. It's because I can, I can, the relationship, because I could see, like, I was trying to give this person love and I could see the beauty and the joy and love, but they were just like, well, I just really like being drunk. And that's where all my joy and beauty comes from. <laughs> and I was like, but you can have both. And why not have both? <laughs> because one's probably... <laughs> easier in inverted commas as in it's a simple transaction drinking absolutely it is and also um at you know at that level of drinking there's a, a whole lot of other stuff going on yeah, so yeah. very true um and also just uh because they're all uplifting songs and, and given the time you wrote them in which was during the period of the past couple of years i'm wondering if it was something that you were writing for yourself in that that's what you needed at that point in time I think definitely yeah absolutely 
um, because I was I was working very very long hours and commuting a long way, and like my whole day was other people's music, and it was very noisy because teaching teaching kids music is really noisy. It's like a <laughs> it's a loud thing to do, um, and so having coming home and working on these songs and kind of shaping them really um, it just allowed me to kind of create something that was mine and and it was like a yeah different and I wanted to make it beautiful so that was fun and when you were when you record your songs do you like to get them to a finish point before you take them into the studio or do you allow space and time for them to change once you're recording uh both so Mm -hmm. some are very clear they're like this is the way I am and they don't want to change and others there's a lot of room to record like move around so with Too Wild, um, that sounded very different before the studio. It was quite melancholy and very stark. And um, the producer, Woody, was just like, oh, well, you know, um, I've got this bass line that I just wrote last night and it's quite jaunty and, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool, let's go with it. So I'm always very open to, well, I'm often very open to exploring new musical avenues with people I'm working with. Like I don't like to be a complete dictator unless... I've come up with something and I'm like, no, this is good. We have to work with this. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I would imagine it is a bit like uh, being in a critique group to be in a studio with a producer saying, oh, no, I think we should do this. So I, it would be understandable if there's a, a little twinge of reticence when someone says something to you. Yeah, I think um, working with, with producers, you kind of want to get to know them a bit first and see if you can work together. Mm-hmm. And I've been really lucky. I've, like, had amazing experiences where I've just really, like, had good sinking kind of, um, you know, mindsets with most producers. Um, there's been a couple of times where I've just been like, can you change your guitar tone? And they just won't do it. And, and I've been like, don't, why, why won't you just change your guitar tone? Um, but you just let it go. I don't know. It's it's not worth it. But I would also think for some, particularly because someone as experienced as you with instruments, a request mm. to change a tone. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, but you, have you ever met guitarists? I mean, <laughs> oh, like he's a very good guitarist. <laughs> um, yeah. Very good guitarist playing on your song. So uh, it you know it, it didn't it didn't bother me it still sounded good it was just a different sort of a sound in the end and yeah. I'm always yeah like I, I'm often open to kind of just going well let's try this but sometimes I'll write something and I know how it needs to go and then it has to go that way right and when it comes to interpreting these songs in a live environment are you open to change again so when you're rehearsing them the songs might shift yes definitely and you respond to audiences and if you're working with different musicians, you see what you can do. You're like, well, what can we actually do live with this setup? And that's always a fun challenge to kind of recreate and, um, yeah, just do things differently. And there was one song in particular I remember years ago um, I recorded with my band and then we we toured it, the, the album, and by the end of the tour we were like the live version of the song was so much better and, wow. you know, we had a friend coming on stage and playing synth with us and he just, you know, he changed he changed it up every night kind of thing and and then we just thought we should record it again. Right. And I'm actually having that with Be Bad at the moment um, from this EP, mm-hmm. which I've started playing live with some people and it just sounds quite different. Like we've got this interesting guitar arrangement, same keyboard player, um, and, yeah, we're thinking of re-recording it. <laughs> Or doing a live album, something. 
Mm. Well, you said there are some songs that didn't make it onto the EP, so, you know, it's an opportunity to remake a song that already is. That's absolutely right, yeah. So maybe we'll see. (laughs) But it sounds like you're very much an artist who is open to, to... different pathways to opportunities to ideas um has has there ever been a time where the channels felt closed um well yeah like I you know I am open to an extent I'm very picky about who I will work with okay so um like I will go I'm going to work with you know this amazing cellist and then I'm open to whatever he wants to bring to it but I won't be like I'm open to any cellist because you know they, they they might come with all these you know different ideas about what to do with my songs and um you know I recently I recently made a a distance recording in Nashville um and and worked with Nashville session musicians their approach was very Nashville and it's that sound and it was a really wonderful experience but it's not the same as when I work with my friend Gareth who Mm -hmm. just he'll write multiple lines um of of cello and it's just unique and interesting and amazing so I mean, the, the Nashville one was amazing as well, but in a different way. So I am open, but also, you know, I, only now I can kind of be have the freedom to say that because I've, I've put all those boundaries in place along the way. Yeah. I've been to some terrible jam sessions. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of musicians have, and that's, that's about best music. You know, you find people you connect with and you work with them. If you don't connect with them, you shouldn't try. Yeah. Okay. We'll just be friends. It's fine. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a good policy for any work, actually, if you, if one uh, can arrange it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you um, you mentioned that your band's in Sydney, um, but you are in Perth, and um, on the new band in Perth. No, you have? Did you say? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, because I was going to ask, what is what is the music scene like in Perth? You know, a lot of us don't live on the west coast of Australia and mm-hmm. I have really no sense of, of what's happening there. So is it vibrant, uh, venues supportive of live music? Um, yeah, well, you know, the Perth, the Perth music scene's got a, a great history. It's always been a really, some amazing bands have come out of it. Um, and I think it, it suffered during COVID as well. Like even though WA wasn't that shut down, it was only mostly closed off to the rest of the, the world, Um there was a time where venues were closed and then they started to open up and not many people were going to gigs. Right. Um, it still feels a little bit flat, to be honest, mm-hmm. but more people are going to gigs, more bands are playing again. And I've, I don't know, I feel like I've, I've become part of a musical community just through gigging and meeting different songwriters. And that's become, that's, that's, that's been wonderful. Like, you know, it's, it's really great to have that happening. Yeah. So I think it'll just get better. I really do. Yeah. So you had three shows in support of this EP already. Are you planning some more? Um, no, we'll just do the three. So okay. I've done one and then there's Melbourne next week and then a Perth show. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, I, see, I was reading the press release in my mind. They were already over. No, no, the, the year is not as far gone as, it, as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, the 6th, the 6th of October is the next one. Well, the EP is Choose Your Own Light and it is it is a wonderful, uplifting um, EP as we have discussed and, as I said, multi-layered and, and I've found myself thinking about it when I'm not listening to it and then going back to it and then thinking about it again. So I, for anyone who likes music that will... It's not hard thinking either, I was going to say. It's just it's just thinking. It's thinking and, and music. So for anyone who likes music that will give them all of those layers and feels and feelings, this mm. is the one for them. Catherine, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.